Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. I don't know where everybody's at in here. In a meeting like this, there's everybody who may have no days clean, has no idea that God is even out there, just knows that they want something different in their life and they can't keep using, but they don't know what to do. So there's that group, and it goes all the way up to maybe somebody who's been saved for decades, but they just keep getting stuck in these patterns, and they don't understand what's going on, and so they want a different way of life. That makes it a little bit challenging for me because I want to be able to fit something for everybody. I don't know where everybody's at, but I, so I'm just warning you, if tonight's your first night, I apologize if I freak you out, but it'll be okay. We've talked in the last several weeks, and we're paralleling walking in the kingdom of God and the process of sanctification. We're paralleling that, how it looks in the Bible versus the 12 steps as a pattern of discipleship or growth or a way to live life in that process of sanctification. So we've been doing that. And so I talked in the very beginning about how first three steps basically bring us to a point of understanding that no matter how hard we try or no matter what things happen in our life, we really are incapable of living our lives the way God intended us for us to. Now, what that means can mean a lot of different things. It can mean different things for everybody. For me, in the beginning, it meant that because I was unable to handle my emotions. I didn't know how to handle my emotions, my feelings, the fears of what may come in the future, my feelings of uh, low self-esteem and inadequacy, my people-pleasing, my resentments and bitterness of things that had happened when I was little, all of those things because I was incapable of knowing how to handle that in a healthy way. I began to self-medicate with meth and alcohol and other things. Basically, I was doing everything I could to keep from feeling the feelings that I had. But now, I know people that go to work every day, have families, everything appears and looks like they have just the perfect life. Everything seems perfect, but yet on the inside, there's loneliness, depression, anxiety, and you have to live a life pretending and wearing a mask so that other people don't see what you feel on the inside. That's a wide range of people, right? There are some perfect people out there that have it all together and, and just have wonderful lives and are happy all the time. I've never met one, but I know they're out there. There's got to be, right? Statistically, they must be out there. They must be out there somewhere, but I've never met one. I've met a lot of people who are pretending to be that way. So we all have to come to this point where we begin to realize that, listen, living life on life's terms is just a little bit out of my control. I've tried, but I'm willing now to surrender control of my life. And so then we turn our lives over to the care of God. That's steps one, two, and three. And so we're getting ready to go into step four. Celebrate Recovery Step 4 says, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And AA says, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We've been running the two parallels so that everybody can see. But so, not much of a change there, right? That process scares people, terrifies people. And I get it. 
terrified me every time I did it, like all 15 times. We find ourselves, when we get to this point, we turn our lives over to the care of God as we understand Him, because all of us come to this point with a different idea of different perception of who God is. I've been a Christian for a very long time, but I didn't see it this way in the beginning. As a Christian, I now believe that this point of, now that I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, yes, but there's so much more to that life than just going to heaven. I'm not saved just so that I can go to heaven. I have been saved, I have been redeemed so that I can live in the kingdom of God. We've been talking about that. Once we turn our lives over to God, we've talked about the thing of we want to walk in his kingdom. And I've talked about the parallels between God's kingdom and the garden. And the parallels between the garden now and what God talked about with the children of Israel and the promised land. And the parallels of the promised land and what we find in the last two chapters of Revelation of the way things are going to be in the end. There's a garden there. It started in a garden and it ends in a garden. We're not going to heaven to play harps floating around on clouds for the rest of eternity. That's not the plan. It started in the garden and it'll end in the garden. Now we're in the kingdom age, what some people would call the church age. Once we receive Jesus is our Lord and Savior, it opens the door. We are restored back into relationship and fellowship with God because our spirit has had life breathed back into it. We are restored back into fellowship with God. But there are two things that will keep us from dwelling in the kingdom. One of them is what goes on inside of us, and the other one is what goes on outside of us. What goes on inside of us is the stuff that happens in the soul. Remember, we're a triune being, as God showed us in Genesis. Triune being, T-R-I-U-N-E, just like God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A triune being, we are in His image. We're not saying, it's like an image, like if you create a sculpture of someone it's the image of them it's not actually them we're not God but we're created in his image to bear his image and part of that is is we are a triune being we are a body who has a spirit which is our eternal being and a soul which is our mind our will and our emotions and for reference for that if you want that it's in uh I believe it's 2 Thessalonians 5.23. 5.23. Paul is praying and he says that he prays that God would keep us body, soul, and spirit. I don't have time to go through the Greek and all that kind of stuff tonight. but So that's where we get the foundation of that, along with other places. What ends up happening is, is we're saved. We're restored back to the condition before the fall. Right, pre-Adamic curse, back... In the beginning, in communion with God, but because we've been living our lives, because our spirit was in this stage, this coma stage, it was sleeping in a slumber. And I say that because some people would say that it is dead, dead in sins and trespasses. 
But that's our eternal being. It's not literally dead. It's as if it's dead in a coma. So our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions are calling the shots, trying to meet our needs the best they can. But because our brain, our brain is separate than our mind, our brain is the hardware, and our mind of our soul is the software, when we're born, everything begins to be recorded. Our whole limbic system, endocrine system, everything that secretes chemicals in our bodies and everything is triggered by our emotions. It's triggered by what is happening in our lives. All of this stuff is being recorded within who we are, in your memories. Your neural connections and neurotransmitters are being wired and set up because of the choices and actions that you're making. All of this comes as part of your soul. And we're going to talk more about that in depth later. So that's everything that's going on inside of us. And so because of all of that stuff that's going on inside of us, even though we're saved and we're living in relation with God, the stuff that's recorded fights to stay in control. The Bible would call this the old man or the sin nature, or part of the Adamic curse. It's all of this stuff that's going on. It falls into lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So all that falls in there. That has to be dealt with. The other aspect of what keeps us from walking in the kingdom is in the, what happens outside of us, and that's in the spirit realm. Now remember... The natural world is what we see here, but overlapping it is the spiritual realm. We see instances throughout the Bible of that, of God opening people's eyes so that they see the spiritual beings, the angels and demons, and they see all of this stuff. I like using the example of in the Lord of the Rings when Frodo puts on the ring, because people, a lot of people have seen that. Frodo puts on that ring and he can see into a different realm, right? He sees the black riders. So that kind of gives you a, a parallel to that. I'm not just making this up. We see a perfect example of in the garden, there was a spiritual being there that tempted Eve. God said, don't eat of this tree. So there was a spiritual being that tempted her. Now she had no recordings or program or anything in her soul. Her soul was pure and her body was at that time still glorified, still connected. But if you notice when Satan came and he tempted her, tempts her with the apple and he says certain things. Basically, he convinces her that there won't be any consequences for her disobeying God. That's the long and the short of it. But this is what the Bible says in Genesis, in Genesis 3. It says, so when she saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and good to make you eye, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When she saw that that was the case, she ate of the fruit. And that's what separated us from God. So now we get, we get put back into that condition into that place of where we're restored back to God. But all of this stuff is going on, and we still have to deal with lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and lust of the flesh. 
We're going to walk through this process of sanctification to deal with all of that. First, what we need to do is we need to open this door and begin to look at the spiritual realm. Because we can deal with all of the programming that's happened in our lives, that coping mechanisms, the self-defeating learned behaviors, the habits, the addictions. We can deal with all of that. If you're not aware that there's a spiritual battle happening, you'll be left defenseless. If you want to write down Ephesians 4, these are chapters, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, and look at it later. We're going to read part of it now. If you read Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, he talks about the way you should be living in sanctification. He talks about things with parents' relationships with their children, husbands' and wives' relationships, bosses, your boss and your employer relationships. It talks in there about slave and master, but in today's age we use employer and employee. It talks about how you should be acting as a community, walking in unity and love. It describes all of that stuff, and that's all stuff that we're going to talk about as far as when it comes to sanctification and walk through that process. And in the end, we'll be able to walk out chapters 4 and 5. But in chapter 6, he talks about, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That starts in, in verse 10 of chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan is not a proper name. And so when it talks about the serpent in the garden and Satan, when it talks about it, it's not actually a name like it's addressing it. It's just an accuser. It's an evil being, a spiritual being. Satan, what we would call Satan the devil, is not omnipresent. He's a created being. He can't be everywhere at once. He can only be one place at a time. None of us in here are important enough to warrant any of Satan's time. He don't care about us. He's got big fish to fry. Presidents and kings and, and stuff. But actually, even he doesn't mess with a lot of that. And you read in the Bible, like in, in Daniel, and it talks about the prince of Persia and the kings of Persia. And so there are spiritual things. It's a hierarchy like in a government. There's a commander-in-chief. There are generals, captains. Then you get the non-commissioned officers, the sergeants and everything, and then privates. And the privates and all of that, they're like, the little lower class demons. And when we're born, we each are assigned these little lower class demons. And they follow us around. Don't be freaked out. They follow us around our whole lives and make note of the choices we make, the decisions we make, the things we do, all of this. And then they report to their boss, and then they report to their boss, and then they report to their boss as needed. If something works to trip us up here, later on, 
They'll try that again and use that to trip us up. And they'll try that again and use that to tri trip us up. And if that doesn't work, somebody else will do it. And so this is the other crazy thing, because it says we, not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, But let me say this. This is really important to understand. When it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that does not mean our own flesh and blood. It means other people. Remember, Satan has no power over us. All the demons can do is trigger things. If you're saved, you don't need to cast anything out. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, no demons can live within you. There's been times in mine and Pam's life where we've had disagreements. I know it seems crazy. We've been married for 36, going on to 37 years. And can you believe it? We've, we've had disagreements over the same stuff. Can you imagine it? Let's say that I've struggled with insecurity. And I've struggled with self-esteem issues. And let's say that Pam says something in a certain tone of voice. And every time she says something in that tone of voice, it just makes me feel about this big. Now, Pam may not be intending for that to happen, but the spiritual beings that are around us know exactly how I'm going to react to that. And so what are they going to do? They're going to work in Pam to trigger things in her, to say things in a way that they know will trigger me and then pretty soon we're fighting with each other. That's why when it says we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, my problem is not Pam. My problem is not Pam, and Pam's problem is not Bob. Bob's problem is Bob, and Pam's problem is Pam. And the spiritual things that happen to trigger all of those things in our mind, our will, and our emotions to cause us to act and react in ways we shouldn't. That's why we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against these principalities and powers of darkness and all of that. What are we going to do here? I want to explain this to you. I cannot give you a process and say do A, B, C, and D, and you will win every spiritual battle. Because that's not how it works. But let me tell you what God's plan for this is. So it says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, what is that? What do they mean by that? I've known people that have imagined putting on a helmet, a breastplate, and all of this to symbolize things. But listen, this armor is not our armor. It's God. It is the armor of God. Like, this is God, and when I put him on, I am putting on God. I am putting on this armor that is God. You with me? Scott, come here. Run down here real quick. Just stand here and face everybody. Scoot up a little bit. Hi, Scott. No. Hi, Scott. Everybody say hi to Scott. Hi, Scott. Now look at Scott. You don't want to mess with Scott, do you? All you little demons in there? No. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to put on the armor, which is Scott. Lift your arms out to the side. Come at me, dude. Come at me, punks. See what I'm saying? Scott is the armor that I'm putting on. You got it? It's not just something I'm pretending. Thanks, Scott. It's not something I'm pretending that I'm putting on. 
These are the aspects of who God is, how he represents himself. In his kingdom, God says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's in Romans, I think it's 17, 14 or 14, 17. And Jesus is our righteousness. It's representing an attribute, a character of who he is. He's talking here, and I'm going to read it here in just a second. You're going to see it. He's talking as in, listen, we're going to cover your whole body with the aspects and character of who God is in order that you may be defended from the devil. And so he says, having done on the stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. We talk in, in recovery about living in the truth and not living in denial. And the truth, the reality of what is happening. God is truth. That's an aspect of who God is. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Christ is righteousness. He is who righteousness is. We're putting on Christ. Just like I put on Scott. We're putting on Christ, which is our righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so we are walking. We've shot our feet. We are walking in peace. We are walking in the Spirit, which gives us peace. That's an attribute of who God is. The peace that passes all understanding, He gives that to us. And so we're walking in that, following that. And above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, what is the shield of faith? That is... The protection of knowing and living in the trust and reliance on God. Faith is another word of, for trusting in. I have faith in God. There's no power in faith in and of itself. It's the person in whom we have faith. I have faith in God because I know that he's proven himself faithful to me. He's proved himself time and time again that I can trust him. And so I can walk in that faith. And that is protection for me. So that, when these things happen... Now, let me go back to our example. You guys, I have to do this. This is a way that I'm putting on faith. I'm putting up my, my shield. When Pam says these things, rather than me allowing it to pierce my heart because of the spiritual influences, I trust and I know, you know what, God's going to take care of this. I can trust that God's going to take care of this. Maybe she meant it that way, maybe she didn't. You guys, I, st I still deal with this. Maybe she meant this, maybe she didn't. But what happened, happened. It was real, right? Hurt my feelings. But I have to be able to walk the, in with this shield, knowing of faith, knowing that God's going to take care of it. When I face things out in the world and it appears as though my customers are not going to pay me when they should. Thank goodness I have not had to struggle with that in forever. Just rain down fire. And, uh, <laughs> when I feel like I want God to rain down fire on them, I need to live 
in that trust. Not let those fiery darts come that come to try and make me think and worry. Oh my goodness, what if this, if this happens? I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. If this happens and this is going to happen and then this is going to happen, well, then I know what's going to happen next. Well, then this is going to happen. And then that's going to happen and then this is going to happen. And then you know what will happen. That will happen. And pretty soon I've talked myself into this horrible mess and none of it's real. When I'm walking in the attributes of who God is, it protects me against those things. When I have faith and I'm trusting because God's proved himself faithful to me, in these things, when I've had the choice to walk in fear or in trusting him, and he proves himself trustworthy, it builds my faith even more. When I come to the point where I either have to trust him or have fear or something like that, when I lean that way, you guys, it's just like working out. If you work out, it takes like 10 weeks to see results, but when you stop, it takes like 10 days for it to go away. It's so unfair. And it seems like a lot of times when we're walking, it's that way. Our faith is being built up, built up, built up, and we'll have like 10 cases where, whoo, I'm on top of the world. I can defeat all my enemies. And then, you know, we get a little lackadaisical, let our guard down, don't pick up our faith, don't walk in faith, we don't walk in peace. When I'm not walking in peace is when I'm the most vulnerable to what other people say. Situations in my life. When I'm in rush hour traffic going north on 270 and somebody cuts me off and I want to roll down my window and throw a hammer off the window. How do we put on that armor? I talked about it last week. By the choices that we face thousands of choices in a day. And we begin, we start the journey of putting that armor on. Will this choice draw me closer to God or push me farther away? Will this choice draw me closer? And it's, you guys, it's hard to think that all the time. And obviously, in little things, we may not do it, right? Like when I'm trying to decide, when I'm putting up this crown molding, should I put this support here or should I put it here? You know, experience would tell me, I don't have to say, I don't have to say, God, should I do this like this or like this? you know what? Sometimes I do, and he answers. As we're going through life, and we face these choices, and we say, God, will this choice draw me closer to you? God, if I smoke this weed, will I get closer to you, or will it push me farther away from you? It's going to push me farther away. We have to ask ourselves, will this draw me closer to God, or push me farther away? And then as we do that in those things, we will be able to walk in his peace more. Not the peace of Bob, peace of God. Right? I've used that as an example before. There's certain times where I've come up to situations and said, will this draw me closer to God or push me farther away? Especially like dealing with business. Hey, I'm going to make a lot of money off that. That's going to draw me closer to God. I can tell already. But if it's not God's will, it's not. Because I'm going to end up not, I'm not going to be able to walk in peace. Amen. That's going to cause me to make poor decisions. It's going to push me farther away. I'll be walking outside the righteousness of God. Right? It's a process that's built in the relationship. It's a relationship. We're going to talk more about this later on, but I have to give you, I, we have to open the door now so that you can begin to understand. You have the scripture, you have the word, 
so that you can go back to it and begin to study and talk to God. God, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What are the situations where I can learn to walk in faith? What are the situations where I can begin to walk in peace more? God, what are the situations where your righteousness, where, I'm, where I don't feel worthy of your love and worthy of your promises, worthy of your blessing? God, when I'm feeling like that, how can I grow in, in your righteousness and being able to receive your righteousness? You can talk to him about that and he'll answer you. That's how you build a relationship with people. It's just like when Pam and I build a relationship. We build a relationship by talking, by going through things. There was a study done a long time ago that men, actually, women bond better talking. That's why Pam can go to a restaurant with her girlfriends and be in there for two or three hours talking. And they bond through that. Guys bond in activities like playing golf, watching football games, going hunting, working on cars, you know, whatever it is. And they bond through the activity of it. I'm not saying that's exactly that way with God, but it is for guys. A lot of times we have to go through activities in our lives. We have to be doing things and God and working with God in those things and talking to him like at work and in play and, and different things. That relationship will grow through that. And that is how you put on the armor. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.